was like probably the end all be all local show that we ever had. So like it was already just like going balls to the wall insane in there. Cause like intended. Yeah, like that was yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Uh, this has been an episode that I've been looking forward to recording as this band um, has been one of my faves when it comes to, like, the new wave of, like, I guess not the resurgence, but just, like, current metalcore bands that are really killing it. And um, I think what was funny is that I got a notification that, he started following the scoped account and then I just DM'd him being like, yo. And then, you know, that sparked the conversation to have uh, Mitchell from Varials on this podcast. So dude, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, obviously Varials has some new music coming down the pipe. Um, well, there's been new music that's been released, but you know, with a new LP on the way. Um, like I said, like Varials was a band where I had discovered you guys through a very interesting means which i'll get into in, into a little bit but uh it's been cool to see you uh stepping into the shoes of being the vocalist of the band um uh formerly being the guitar player um but yeah i'm stoked to be just talking about the band because truly i've been a fan of you guys ever since the first release and pain again was like bumping yeah. on repeat when it drops so um yeah i'm very excited to have you on the show my guy yeah, dude, no worries. Again, thanks for having me. I, I, I literally just like saw your uh, podcast with Brian come up like on my YouTube, on my TV and I watched it and I was like, this is cool. So I just followed you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy that, you know, w this will be well into season three of the podcast and Brian's episode was just at the top of two. So it's crazy okay. how that has been pushing it off and, you know, people yeah. have been finding this show through whether it's an interview or just like a clip on Instagram. So it's, it's hella sick. Um, the, the spider web, it goes endlessly. For sure. It does. No. Yeah. It, um, I, I've been watching like a lot more podcasts recently. So I feel like I'm getting a lot more of that recommended to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. It's been, I, I was never really super into podcasts before until the past couple of months, but I've been consuming a lot of it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and definitely like, it's funny because as a videographer, like it was the number one thing uh, when I started the show to do a video version of this podcast. While I think there's people now who are starting to add that into their show. But for me, it was always like, I need to have it because um, and, and this comes more from a marketing background for me where it's like, I want to see the clip of the person talking about whatever versus just a bouncing yep. waveform or, or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy with, um, how that is just becoming the future of a lot of things. But, uh, before we get into the chats here, uh, it's mandatory here on the scope exposure podcast to check some bevs. So Mitchell, it's tradition for the guests to go first. So tell me what you got, um, liquids wise for the show. So, 
I recently have been addicted to, uh, I got one of those Nespresso coffee machines. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now I got a Starbucks uh, cappuccino roast, big mug style (laughs) cappuccino drink going on. And uh, yeah, the thing kicks the shit out of Keurig. It's like insane. I've spent way too much money on pods for it, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Well, you know, pod coffee on the pod makes sense. Um, exactly yeah what's uh you know i feel like just as important as the bev check the mug check is important too so do you want to display that so this is my favorite mug it's uh from a place in in idaho craters of the moon cool uh i was on tour uh in july and august with this band from australia called void of vision um i was tour managing them and I played a couple shows with them on guitar at the end of the tour and um, they're one of my favorite bands. So like that fell into place like so crazily to be able to like go on a tour with them. And um, we were trying to go to Yellowstone on a day off and we completely screwed up the routing and we were like, okay, going there makes no sense. So I literally just searched on our route national park. This place came up. We had no clue what it was. Didn't look at any pictures and we just went and it was so sick. It's like this whole, uh not like a field but it's it's almost like a big clearing in like a mountainous area mm-hmm. and a bunch of volcanoes like forever ago were just going off there like crazy wow so all the leftover um like magma and shit has turned into these fields of volcanic rock mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. when you're out there it almost kind of looks like you are on the moon and there's craters and and Whoa. shit everywhere. okay That's yeah crazy. and it, it was it was it was one of the coolest places I've ever been in the U.S. and it was a complete like just by accident trip. Yeah, I, and they had a merch store, so I just bought like a ton <laughs> of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because like geographically speaking, uh, where I'm from, uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, so we're just north of like Montana and Idaho. So like all of, I feel like we're spoiled because I can drive 45 minutes west and be at like. Banff National Park and you know a little bit oh, further yeah. you're at Lake Louise I've been like yeah rocks. yeah oh yeah so it's like growing up uh I grew up in the dead center of Canada where it's like just the flattest of lands ever so to be able to be this close to like that kind of shit is super cool but like Montana and Idaho have like very dope national parks that I'm like wanting to get down to uh just to oh, be yeah. in those parts of the country because it's just so beautiful um so yeah. after we went there, now I'm like, I, when we got home, I was like on the national park website looking at like every national park <laughs> I had never heard of because I was like, if this place was that badass, there's got to be more mm-hmm. that we probably drive past on tour that we've never been to. And it's like, oh totally, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, I think it's more about thinking about what are the dope local coffee spots or record stores that like we can hit when we get into town versus like what are the cool scenic stuff that we can hit along the way. Obviously, yeah, every spot had like. Any band that does come through Calgary obviously hits Banff if they've never been there before. Yeah. Um, that's a given. But yeah, it's uh it's pretty uh it's pretty interesting on yeah. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you wanna shout out some dope national parks wherever you're from, <laughs> uh drop those in the comments for sure. Um, Send them to me. We need new shit to do on tour. Yeah, We're bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All Americana stays the same. Just kidding. Uh, don't come for me, coffee snobs. Uh, I'm just drinking <laughs> a AHA myself to start my day, um, which is funny because 
I have gone on record on this podcast saying the peach honey flavor is the best, but I think I'm going to redact that and maybe correct the record that I think the orange grapefruit, um, if you can see that, that is the move. I've been on a grapefruit kick these last few months. So anything that makes a grapefruit flavor is the, the grapefruit flavor is normally my favorite grapefruit white claw. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was my favorite for a while. I changed recently, but Wait, I you love grapefruit flavor anything. I love those surf ones. The white claw surfs. Oh, yeah. I don't know you if we have those? those in Canada yet. They're like a fairly new thing here. Okay. And there's this one flavor. It's like an acai blueberry smash or something like that. And it's like, the craziest white claw ever. I love it. That does it. sound crazy. I've been, but I also can't drink beer, so I'm like a white claw seltzer like connoisseur. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. I I've been a black cherry white claw person through and through. Oh, it's my least favorite. Least favorite? It tastes like TV static. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be haunted next time I have a black cherry. It's just like I take a sip and. It's... Yeah, it's like poltergeist juice. <laughs> poltergeist juice. Man. Uh, well, Mitchell, cheers to you, man. The vibes are already set for this episode, so very excited to do this pod. Hell yeah. So, Mitchell, any new um, guests that comes here on the show, I always like to get a bit of context about just how they got into heavy music in general. So whether that was like metalcore, hardcore, breakdowns, however you want to spin it, tell me about like the first times that you were just hearing about this shit. Um. I think I've definitely said this before and it's weirdly specific, but it's, it's very, uh, it's very true to my, my character arc in life. Um, when I was like, I want to say I was like six or seven years old. Um, my family like pretty much just gave me like no filter on like any media. So like I was just allowed to watch like R rated movies and like play M rated games and all that shit. And I was watching the original resident evil movie. Okay. Like the Paul W.S. Anderson, like OG one. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, there's a part where they play um, fucking, oh God, what Slipknot song is it? Um, Hold on. I literally have to look it up. So I I don't miss it. I'll check it while uh, Slipknot. Is it my plague? Yes, it's my plague. Yeah, Yeah. So. Uh, there's a part in the movie where that song plays and it's the most badass part of the movie. And then, um, I realized later that the music video was like in the special features, but like at the time I like could not comprehend what it was. So like, I would just like watch this music video, like on repeat all the time. And I had no idea that it was like a band or anything. Like you, were, I you literally thought it was thought a part of the movie. Yeah, I thought it was a part of the movie. And then uh, (laughs) I remember like about a year later, I realized what it was. I was like, oh, this is this band Slipknot. And then uh, that sent me down a whole rabbit hole of like finding shit like that, like Korn and Deftones and like all the bands from like that era. But I didn't super latch onto it like in the moment. I just like thought it was cool became aware of it but it, it wasn't like my whole like thing um and then uh, a couple years later we um literally just on youtube found the music video for the war's best friend become redefined by chiodos mm-hmm. and 
through that we found like devil wars prada and just like all those bands in the in the related videos and that was what really set me down the breakdown path right <laughs> okay uh, but i feel like i would not have been receptive to that if i hadn't found slipknot on the resident evil dvd <laughs> yeah yeah because that i don't know why this came to mind um and this is a bit of a different scenario but I feel like it's worth noting. Um, many, many years ago, there was a band, and I, I don't stand by this band as far as being a good band, but I'm just using this as an example. Um, yeah. Do you remember the band, The Great Commission? They were oh, like, absolutely. yeah. So they, <laughs> I think the I prayer, was, baby. yeah. So I remember following them because I was like a face down, like solid state hardcore kid growing up. Yeah. It was like, that's how I got into this whole world for me. And I remember that they, announced that they were going to be in the Taylor in a Taylor Swift music video and there's I there's a music video of Taylor Swift I I'm going to find it but um, but they scene. they're essentially playing in the background of like this part in the music video and like it's so wild because as someone that understands this is an actual band that exists and they're like doing yeah. the whole like fucking crab core breakdown movements but like for anyone watching it was just like oh this is just a bunch of actors and kind of doing this thing so i really know about this yeah i got okay i need to find this shit um that is insane it's oh man so it's like i just don't want to search or or youtube taylor swift music video because that's gonna just have this endless yeah list. it's gonna be like a but this is like right when ah uh, okay this is bugging me um you take time. <laughs> i'm willing it, to wait for this <laughs> i think it might no not you belong with me it's like this is taylor swift's like that era though fuck you ex-boyfriend phase yeah of music it's not bad blood it's not oh man hold on maybe google will will fare better Taylor yeah, I mean, Swift, I mean, the great commission there's some there's got to be like a lamgo article or some bullshit about oh yeah it. that's the top hit it's a lamgo <laughs> article <laughs> okay so um they performed in i knew you were trouble music video what yeah that's a fucking banger and not it's just like, like this is not a b-side shit oh, yeah what so so yeah it uh so seeing something like that there's probably at least one person that maybe saw that video and was like is this a real band and they yeah. went down the rabbit hole yeah. so i For i'm sure. i this long tangent or story is for me to just remind everyone that like there's no one way for people to find hardcore or heavy music or DIY music, whichever way you want to spin it. There's like these weird things where I'm sure a band like that, like God, like why the fuck are you spending time to be in this Taylor Swift music video as like this background, whatever. I think if you're looking it up, go to 258. Yeah, because also, also uh, I saw this band a, a couple times, mm -hmm. but I remember like there was this band that I used to really like called In the Mist of Lions. Yep. And uh, I remember like going to see them. I 
Great Commission like played like right before, right after them. I think it was actually that Scream the Prayer tour, which I haven't thought about in years. I can't believe that was a thing. <laughs> okay, yo. I have, I have a feeling this podcast. Dude, no. <laughs> it's like all like the people how? mosh pitting, and then Taylor Swift's looking at the guy. <laughs> like, in what world does this happen? Or I know. Yeah, that's them. <laughs> to me, to me, that's the last. My girlfriend's gonna fucking lose her mind. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Like, again, I I think it's just so funny that you are watching this movie, and then they had it as a feature that you could watch the music video yeah. because that was that was a common thing where I think um, there was certain music videos where their official music videos would intersplice um, yes. movie. Like, That's I think exactly. I think That's Lincoln exactly Park had like a version of their music video that had all the Transformers shit in there yeah. as well oh know? for sure those because like the some of their biggest songs were those movies that they did for those transformers movies mm-hmm. isn't what i done like one yeah. of those or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny no, i'm i'm talking about this now with exactly what you're talking about with yeah. that slipknot song. <laughs> yeah but i it's so funny like i've been on a i'm on a few podcasts ago i was on lord of the rings lore youtube videos and now i'm on transformers lore uh youtube videos explained um and there's this one guy that anytime he talks about the moment where after like the first transformers movie it's like yeah then optimus prime calls all autobots um to come to earth and listen to lincoln park and then it cues that part like before the credit scene comes in yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah it so again i just think it's cool that there are certain weird little things that yeah like the the producers or whoever's in charge of deciding what goes on the resident evil dvd is like why are we going to put this music video on they're like ah fuck it who knows what could happen and then yeah. you know that causes you to discover it and then be in this you know arguably big band called burials and you know the rest is history so i love that it it is pretty crazy and it's, it's uh every time i i tell somebody about it i'm always like this sounds so bizarre but like <laughs> it's just funny how things actually happen like that (laughs) well i just think it's it's just breadcrumb trails right it you know it's like Mm -hmm. leading people to be able to decide that and you know there are people where it's a tony hawk soundtrack or it's a fucking um you know yeah and i don't know it's like nowadays nowadays I, i think about um a few years ago i went to like an nhl game with my dad and i heard this is when like bring me the horizon was like really like oh like you're a huge they're a huge band now and their music was playing over the intercom and for my dad he was like oh this band sounds kind of cool but i was freaking out because again that's like who knows someone hearing that and they're like you know shazamming it and then you know they're 10 years later and playing in a huge band so um yeah it's the lore is crazy and i get yeah. excited about it no yeah it's fu- it's funny that you bring up bring me too because that's like i always tell people that they're like my main like long time influence because i feel like they're the only band that's like kept my attention since like i first found scene music like till now you know what totally. i mean so yeah so um 
so we we have some origin points as far as your how you're discovering this shit. Um, tell me about the origin of Varials at, as a band. Like, were there a couple bands leading up to that to you starting that? Because you start like that band started when and y'all were like hella young as far as like you know being fresh out of high school, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's funny because um, I was not originally in the band when it formed. Um, but me and Mike, the bass player, we were in another local band together. Mm -hmm. So like they were always doing stuff with me and Mike's other bands, like half the shows that either band would play would usually be together. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was cool because I got to know all of them super well. And then I ended up helping them like, record some stuff so it always kind of felt like i was involved with them sure and then when they did like their first proper like we're going all the way to the west coast tour they asked me to come uh fill in on guitar i was touring with a different band at that point so i uh i i didn't have anything going on in the time frame so i went with them mm-hmm. and then about halfway through that tour um I wanted to leave the band that I was with currently and they decided that they wanted to like fill the, the position I was filling in for. And they were like, well, makes the most sense if you do it. And I was right. like, yeah, I'm down. Hmm. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't anticipate that it would be, uh, that, that I'd be doing the, the singing now yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll get to that eventually, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's funny, a similar situation where it's like, oh, I guess this makes the most sense. And then, you know, maybe fast forward multiple years later, it's like, maybe this makes the most sense for me to do vocals. Um, but exactly. again, that will be a talking point later in the episode. Um, something, I guess, like, this is definitely earlier days because, you know, off of the first release was some of the uh, first Varios music that I was hearing. But the first time I actually, how I found out about you guys was um, there was a a nude mosher at a show you guys were playing and it yeah. like blew up online. And for me, I'm like, this is the first time I've ever even thought that that's, that's something that you, that I guess people can do. So I was curious if you could like, uh, think back to that moment. And like at the time I'm when those shows are happening and those moments are happening, you're not thinking of like, Oh, this is going to blow up or, and explode our band. But it's, yeah. it seems like it had a bit of an effect. Oh, dude, it, it had a huge effect. Like, I I feel like we I feel like we didn't even realize it at the time when it happened. And the funny thing was, I wasn't actually, I didn't play that show. I okay. wasn't in the band when it happened, but I was, like, there watching. You were at the show. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Um, fucking, like, I think it was a little bit less than a year after that when I filled in on that tour and, and everything happened. Right. But, like... When I filled in was when they started seeing the um, the reaction to that video. Because, mm. um, like, it got a little bit of traction when the music video first came out and everything. But then um, they started, like, getting all the emails and shit being like, oh, we're going to use it on ridiculousness and, like, all this stuff. Sure. And... I remember in the moment, like it was all just like happening and we didn't really think about it. But then in hindsight, a couple years later, we were like, wait, that definitely like kind of blew up the band. Right. 
And at the time we just didn't think about it because we were so busy, like working on music and, and just like <laughs> doing making regular sure band we're things, doing yeah. shit. Um, but yeah, it's funny to think about now because it definitely was like a bigger thing than any of us perceived, I think. Cause like I, I never, I never even saw the actual clip from ridiculousness mm -hmm. until like probably two or three years ago because my fucking grandpa loves ridiculousness <laughs> and literally like he like recorded it like on the Comcast box. And then oh my gosh, I was like at their house uh, for a holiday or something. And, and he was like, Oh, I recorded this. And I was like, Holy shit. I never saw it. Pull it and, up on the DVR. Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. And then there it was. And also hilariously, this was like when MGK was like getting really fucking popular. Sure. And I didn't realize he was like the guest on the show that day. Oh. So it's like, yeah. So it's like them what? and MGK like reacting to the video. And I was just like, okay, this is fucking hilarious. Like, so yeah, it. That it, video was funny. probably the thing to be like, well, maybe, maybe. I as MGK should not do a metalcore record and maybe I should focus on a different <laughs> genre of music yeah, right. to rip off of. And then, uh, but it, it, it was funny because like once, once I started thinking about it more in hindsight, I was like, yeah, like that was literally when everything like started happening. Like that was when the band got a manager. That was when, um, you know, we started getting hit up by fearless right. and other labels and stuff like that. So, so so take me back to like, again, you're not in the band at this point, but you're at this show. Like, and yeah. you know, we're not trying to put, you know, naked mosher guy on blast here, but like, is this, is this a normal occurrence for this person? Nope. Or is there like certain things at play that like prompted uh, a strip uh, crowd kill session? It honestly, I, I don't even know if there was any lead up to it. I think, um, he may have said to somebody in the band, I'm going to get naked or something like that before the show. Maybe. Sure. But like, I don't think anyone really saw it coming. Sure. And it, it was just by pure luck that um, like they were filming the show for that music video. Right. And that, that also was like probably the end all be all local show that we ever had. So like it was already just like going balls to the wall insane in there because like intended. yeah like that was yeah <laughs> balls to the wall put that on a hardcore shirt but he um just a yeah, live shot I just remember like watching that whole show and being like we're never having a fucking show here again. <laughs> And I don't think we did. I think right. that was maybe the last one. There might have been one more, but oh, dude, we fucked that place up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it again is like um, I'm not sure how much you know about this, but like in addition to doing podcasts, we also like film, you know, live shows, festivals, and it's to me, it's such an important thing to see how certain bands can be documented in certain ways and have moments that are like captured and like properly shared out through like a channel like ours or hey five six or one nine seven media um but yeah like i don't downplay it because i think a lot of people are like oh we played bad or like whatever but you never know that like it could be something as kooky and crazy as someone like naked moshing out of pure just like i'm a i'm a goofball but it could also yeah. be the point of like a vocalist you know it's almost like when there's moments of a set where 
there's like a technical difficulty or a guitar string like change up or whatever and then the vocalist is like a bit under the pressure to fill that space so they like say something that like really hits home with a lot of people and again if that's filmed and it's shared then people find like meaning in that and they share it and that could be the thing for a band so I don't know. It's it's cool as an archivist to see how that had an impact um, in uh, and not like your guys' overall success, but just getting to more eyes. Because again, it was like I think it did. I think I think it did have a big play in the overall success. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'll admit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, naked. It's not. You know, the whole thing is like we're not saying this all to encourage more people to naked bosh. Um, no, but we're not not saying that. I'm not telling you to not do anything or do anything, but I um I don't think that would uh I don't think that would work the same now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing too, where it's like maybe the timing was just right where if it was if it was happening in twenty twenty two, I think if anything it would like maybe be a negative thing for the band versus oh, a positive. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like the the other thing too is like it's uh it, it was just like such a hilarious like time and place thing that like I don't think anyone saw coming mm-hmm. and like it it's just so insane like looking back at it and being like he really just randomly was like I'm gonna do this you yeah. know what I mean yeah. <laughs> um also, I just realized I think my audio has been like kind of clipping this whole time do I sound okay to you you sound fine on our end okay you want me to turn it down a little bit or do you think it's you think it's all good I think you're good okay word yeah because then if you change it, then I got to like go and post and, and adjust the yep. whole shit. But yeah. I got to. Um, well, okay. So I think something that maybe is a good like kind of segue kind of point, um, you know, Varials as a band, I think this happens with any band as they grow and they get new audiences. Like there's more fans that are like coming to your show and discovering this kind of music. And yeah. you almost become not necessarily a gateway band, but you're like pulling new people um but at the same time some of those new people that are coming in might not know the the ways of doing things within like a diy or a hardcore or a heavy music scene um so something that was interesting to me when i was like researching for this is like you got in a spat with someone on reddit about like crowd killing (laughs) and like all that kind of stuff and i think it's and i'm not bringing that up in a sense for you to like defend yourself or anything like that i just think it's interesting as a band that is on like a record label like fearless and it is bringing those new people in but you know going back to the early days of the band you know you guys are playing very diy shows you guys have like very violent pits so like what is that like is that an annoyance to be like oh we have to be the people to educate certain people when it comes to like this is the way that like people will react when we play these like we're not playing like softer music where you can kind of like you know do that kind of stuff like does that make sense what i'm asking no yeah i i get what you're saying i mean um on the on the topic of the uh the redditors i think it's (laughs) funny that i feel like i have to teach them that the internet is a joke even though they're all like addicted to reddit oh okay yeah. I think that's more annoying than having to deal with like any single person ever at a show. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. But to the to, to your actual question, um sorry, Redditors. No, um, that's fine. I um 
honestly, I think it's just one of those things that like once we started doing those less DIY tours, like we definitely saw it for the first time when we toured with Wage War. We were like joking the whole tour that it was like the small group of our fans versus every Wage War fan in the venue. (laughs) Because like somebody would make like one like quick false like fucking, uh, you know, American Legion move. And it was like, every eye on the building was on this man. Do you know what I mean? How dare you spin (laughs) kick at me? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, honestly, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was fucking really fucking funny at first. Um, and then, um, I think as we went on, it it was, it was never like an annoyance. It was always just like something that kind of, we just thought was funny because, um, like there is so many people who have like never been to those kind of shows before. And I don't, I, I, I kind of like that there's like a, a shock there to them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, because totally. like, yeah, I, I, we've always said that we like doing those more like mainstream, like metalcore tours because we like playing in front of those people that possibly haven't seen a band that is as heavy as us or acts like us. Mm-hmm. Cause like, especially on the uh, tour that we just did in the spring with all that remains, like, we've never played to a crowd of that age range before. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments that we got online were literally like hilarious. Like I can't remember what post it was on, but there was like this like 40 year old dude that commented on it being like, these guys (laughs) were like so aggressive and demanding on stage and they were, they were just like too much. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want you to think. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I like, I like having just like that, uh, that kind of like thing you've never seen before value to it. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like we've played so many of those DIY shows and, and tours at, at this point that like, I know what I'm going to get there. Do you know what I mean? Totally. It's dope. Um, but I think like, you know, especially like on the topic of like progressing the band forward, just like playing again, like playing in front of people who haven't experienced something like that. It's way more worth dealing with some of the bullshit there to get the value out of it from the other people who are enjoying it and not, you know, complaining or like not fully getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's so many like examples of bands that like, um, well, first off, like there, once you're like established within your own, like, you know, DIY or hardcore scene, there's like still thousands of, if not hundreds of thousands of people who like music and like going to shows and will buy your records and do this and probably will like it that don't know who you are that like are yeah. just not either in the age bracket where they're going to shows anymore, like on a consistent basis or they're not, they're too young and maybe there's not as much of an all ages push within their local scene. So like, yeah, there's bands like, you know, stick to your guns or knock loose that have like really pushed to like other markets. And I think with an example like knocked knocked is like, there was a festival that they played up here in Canada where it was like, by the time that they were headlining, by the time that they were on stage, it's like, oh, this is a knocked loose crowd. Because the first half of the day is like all hardcore kids, people that are pitting hard as fuck. And then like knocked yeah. loose comes, it's like, okay, now we're into pitch, uh, push pit mode. Um, and yeah. it is a thing where, you know, I would hear from friends who are like, you know, because it, it is always this thing where it's like, you know, we coexist, but it's like, oh, I can't throw down to this band anymore because of this kind of yep. scenario. And um, 
And I think there was a conversation being like, oh, yeah, the vibe is all off. And then someone overheard him say that. He's like, oh, yeah, I agree. All these people earlier just fucking slam dancing and do this. Yeah, totally. The vibe is right now. It's like, no, we're like literally talking about you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But like Knocked Loose as a band, as an example, is like they're still a band that's like they're not going to. It's not on the band as far as who they're attracting to the shows. It's like that's just the name of the game when you're like your band grows and you're attracting new people. And the hope is that, you know, someone might take a spin kick or a, you know, a fist to the face and maybe they dive into harder music or you're just going to go about it and complain on Reddit or online or whatever. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like, you know, there's, there's, there's many six month faces when it comes to like getting really involved in that or, you know, uh, they'll only go and listen to the records, but you know, a band that also, pioneers and, and goes out and like really tries to bring in those new fans into the hardcore world is like a band like terror where they'll play like to like metal heads who were like we're just gonna be like doing like this and you know n- nothing pit wise but like when scott came on the show he was telling me like terror would play somewhere and then go five years later and someone would come up and be like the first time i saw you i had like long hair i had like a fucking like jean jacket with like all the prints everywhere and you your band turned me into a hardcore kid so i think that's cool as well interesting Um, yeah no that's sick yeah so i again i think it's like it's not on, on any band as far as that but yeah it's like you need to have bands that kind of like push you know if if it's if it's a hardcore show that has hardcore bands on the bill, yeah, like things should get a little hardcore. And if you're not for it, then you should like be a little self-aware where you're standing. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's my uh, that that was always my whole thing. Was it was just like I feel like everybody should be pretty aware of what's going on around mm-hmm. them at a show. If you're not, I don't know what you're paying attention to. But um, like I've literally never been in a position at a show that i didn't want to be in you know what i mean (laughs) right like if some shit starts going on around me that i don't like i just move right it's fine Mm -hmm. but like i don't i don't some people just like i guess really really won't get the fuck out of the way and that's another problem but yeah (laughs) yeah um it's funny you say that because on that same uh festival uh inclination was playing so there may be like two slots behind uh knock loose and, uh, you know, Inclination, pretty hard band, uh, but still it's like, you know, for fan, like fans of the Pure Noise, Knock Loose connections there. Um, yeah. Do you know a band called Apex Predator? I've heard of them. Yeah. So there's a guy, his name is Casey. Up on Spotify and jammed, but I can't, I just can't remember. Yeah. So Casey, the singer of that band is like, he's got a lot of weight to throw around when he stage okay. dives. And the way he stage dives is just kind of like cartwheels, but like it's it's like like a wrecking ball coming down on you. And I would see him do that and like take out like four or five kids. Oh <laughs> like, my god! And the start of the inclination set, I see him uh, get up on stage left, and he's starting to crawl over. And I was like not planning on doing anything, and I was like, I need to stage dive on the going the opposite way just so I don't have to catch Casey. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like get on stage duck around him (laughs) but uh yeah and then i just like chilled on that side of the stage for the rest of the set so uh it's yeah so space you know for the people listening be a little self-aware uh take some ownership don't just like go and try to like talk shit on a band um because you had 
some you were moshed on versus the mosh the moshy if that makes sense yep i'm an i'm an ex-troll too so like i just got <laughs> i just got to stay off right, right. now that's yeah <laughs> um so you know going into like some of the newer stuff that uh has been going on within the varials uh universe like obviously like a a big talking point um for anyone who's been a fan of the band since day one is now that you're on the mic and um so i wanted to talk about like you know once travis left there was kind of like i remember when matt from boundaries came on we talked about how he was like filling in and i think there was also a time where uh brendan from counterparts was also doing that yep. so when when was the time where you're like we have to come back kid it as far as like me moving from guitar to vocals and yeah. uh and and start to do that um as as the future of the band i mean we we went through a lot of different um people like audition wise mm -hmm. um a couple of them uh got pretty serious and then like very serious and every time it just wouldn't work out for a variety of reasons um and uh after i want to say it was like honestly like try number four we hit a real serious point of frustration and we were all pretty much just like okay like are we really gonna find another like random person and like bring them out here start like try to vibe with them like make sure they can you know do what they need to do on these songs blah blah, blah. like it was a whole fucking thing every time we did it you know what i mean right um and then I can't really remember like exactly the conversation, but I just remember uh, our guitar player and bass player, James and Mike, just being like, just try it. Hmm. And then I did it and we were like, okay, this could work. And we just kept doing more and more of it. And every time we did it, it was just better and better. Uh -huh. And we were, we just pretty much trial and errored it with me until we got to a point where we were like, this whole song sounds like it was professionally done. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then I, it just kind of like took me a little bit to like muster up the, okay, this does sound good thing in my brain. <laughs> sure. And yeah, we just, we were like, all right, this makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. and, and then and we were, we were also able to get back the person that I replaced. Oh, okay. So that's the guy who's, who's in your old spot now yeah yeah which is his original spot interesting yes mm -hmm. so it's like it's the original like musicians in the band mm -hmm. just now i'm on vocals <laughs> yeah and and like you know in in past years like you were still doing like backup vocals um i would see yeah. in like live videos and, and things like that i did so a couple it wasn't like vocals in canada too mm -hmm. and that was like a big part of my thinking of like all right well i, I was able to do whole shows screaming mm -hmm. so i think if i hadn't done that it would have been a little bit of a harder of a sell yeah for me <laughs> totally but, yeah because yeah. yeah it's like it's not even just like building up the stamina like vocally to be doing that but it's also like oh how am i maneuvering through these songs and and like introducing them uh when we're doing it in a, in a live setting for sure yeah no it's um it's it's not a uh, small undertaking doing vocals for a band like i feel like i feel like a lot of people think it's like the easiest job and 
I would say that drummer is the hardest, but vocals is definitely second to drumming, <laughs> in my opinion. Bass players and guitar players, you got it so easy, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bass, like playing bass is almost like, to me, is like the most fun that you can have in a band because it's so like just oh yeah jump around do whatever unless you're like so meticulous on being like super locked in with the drums but even then it's not even like the the most taxing thing yeah i think i uh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no it's all good i was just gonna say like i think i agree with you that i don't i think i 50 50 flip on vocalists having the hardest job or drummers having the hardest job i think vocalists have the hardest job as as it as it comes to their like physical um undertaking and i think uh drummers have the hardest job when it comes to just like the actual like what it actually takes to like set your drums up and then tear it down after your 20 minutes set and you know move all that bullshit replace things when you know shit breaks like yeah uh, yeah. oh it's the most expensive by far i played drums in like all my original local bands that i was in Mm -hmm. and i immediately was like this is gonna become a fucking nightmare (laughs) so i was like i'm playing guitar yeah yeah yeah, fuck this (laughs) yeah but i um i never played bass in a band but then i randomly filled in for gideon on bass on this one tour that they were on with us okay and I always tell people that that was the most fun I ever had on stage. Like a playing bass is just the sickest. Cause like, it's just, it's easy. Like, let's yeah. be real. It's pretty easy unless you're on some crazy fucking jazz shit. <laughs> uh, and like, uh, just also like Gideon's like style of just like those like bouncy, like chuggy Abs- breakdowns. Absolutely. It was just so much fun to fucking get really stoned and yeah. just like stare at their drummer and just like lock in. Oh yeah. So just like, you're just fun. connecting with Jake and you're just like, dude, fucking yeah. He, like one, he's, he's one of the best drummers I've ever played with too. That was, that was seriously fun. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're saying this all to like someone that has Gideon lyrics tattooed on his feet. Uh, oh, hell listen yeah. to costs. Like the day came out, um, Gideon stayed at my house when they were touring with hundredth back in like 2013. Like I'm a forever yeah. fan of that band. Um, I've been trying to get like members on the podcast, uh, but and and it will happen one day. But uh, I think that sure. they're. Uh, it's almost funny how it's like all of Gideon minus their singer and also plays in another band that's like for yeah. a rapper. So <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he, he's actually he's one of my uh, he's one of my good friends. His name his name is Matt. He's zero nine three six. Yeah. He um yeah it it, it was funny because I saw them all like playing with him. And then uh, they realized, like, wait, he, like, lives near Mitch. Mm-hmm. So then like, well, I just, like, randomly, like, connected with this guy. And he's, he's fucking sick. And he's, he's really uh, – he's given them a, a really cool opportunity. They've been crushing it with him. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, Mitchell, something that – a question that I always like to ask any guest who comes on the show that has, like, a big – body of work a lot of like really like popular songs um but also a lot of songs that might need a little bit more love and uh you know shine a light on so in your opinion what is the most overrated varial song and what is the most underrated varial song oh man oh man um and again you you could actually go at this multiple ways playing guitar and now doing vocals in the band because i've asked this question to the same band in different members and they give different answers because it's like i don't like playing this 
song live on guitar yep. or because it's more vocally um, favored song or it's the opposite. So where's your mind go with that? I think people are going to fucking hate me for this. I think, sorry, I just fucked up something with my foot. Um, I think the most overrated burial song is anything to numb. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I just don't like playing that song live. Never really have. For and both guitar and vocals? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, fun okay. on vocals, like when because it's fun on vocals because it's one of the biggest songs. Sure. Obviously. But like like the actual song itself, I'm just I've never I was never a huge fan of it. Um and I I uh there's just other songs on Pain Again that I think achieve the same thing but better that weren't put on a pedestal. Mm. And I feel like if we had switched it out for something else, it would have been either just as big as anything to numb or maybe, maybe bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff off pain again that I thought like could have had a better light shined on it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that was like a big learning, like learning point for me too, where I was like, I need to be more vocal and opinionated about like what songs I think should be singles. Um, because then in darkness, I feel like that was when we chose like everything almost correct. Okay. Um, but my most underrated varial song is on in darkness, which is death song. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good pick. Um, mm-hmm. We, we butted heads over that song <laughs> so much as a band and I forget what happened, but there was like, some like deal that was made where it was like, all right, I'll, I'll like put that song on the album. If we can also do this, which was like something that maybe I didn't want. Sure. But the agreement was met and we were like, there was a compromise of some kind. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And um, to be fair, the main argument I think was that like the album was long as fuck. It is like a 40, like two minute album or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, who cares? It's just like more songs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone's really going to mind there being more music. Right. Um, but I really wish that we had put that song out as like a single or something. Because hmm. I feel like that song was what we wanted to do moving forward. Literally. Like, right. it, we that was like one of the last things that we wrote for In Darkness that song was probably one of the most collaborative things that we worked on on that album, like mm-hmm. together. And um, it, it like we were so hyped on it in the moment. And then when we were started picking stuff, that was when people were saying like, oh, like I don't really like this anymore. But then I think it's funny because where we ended up on the new album, I feel like the only song on In Darkness that really sounds a lot like our new stuff is Death Song. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are good good picks. Um, I think maybe something that I wanted to personally add in um, and kind of give you props and, and kudos, I really liked how in the first track, um, The New Damnation off of Pain Again, I liked how when I would watch live videos of you guys, you would guys um, just would play the intro of that yeah. as an intro. And then, yep. you know, obviously when the record came out, it was like, oh, this whole thing. So I have de- I've definitely taken inspiration of that. So for my band's next release, we are 
we have played shows just off of like the first riff of that song and then once that comes out so i i wanted to oh, yeah. say that that helped influence me um because i thought that was a really it's, it's I, so yeah, like it's such a nice like build-up part for sure I love doing stuff like that where it's just like, okay, we have some part that's sick as hell that we know we're going to put on some song on the new album. So just like rip it out live and play it. Cause like, I feel like people retain that way more than you think, especially because like people watch a lot of live sets on YouTube and shit like that. Right. So then if they're listening to the record and they hear something that they've seen in a live video or saw live, like, it kind of like clicks a little like special moment in their brain almost where they're like, Oh shit, it's that crazy heavy part right. from the set. Yeah. And now it's in the song. You know what I mean? Like it, the amount of YouTube comments I get like too. from people oh, yeah. being like, yo, this is a new song or like this is years later and people are connecting yep. it back to it. Yeah. And I remember like when I was younger, Devil Wars Prada did it. I saw them one time when they were touring off plagues mm-hmm. and they opened with the beginning breakdown of big wiggly style. Oh. And, Oh, the song sick. wasn't out yet, but right. like I, I saw that set and then I remember watching it over and over again on YouTube because like that fucking breakdown was so sick. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, the album comes out and I was like, oh, shit, like it's this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just cool for bands to actually like not double down, but just like really think about the lore of their band. Because, like, there's, like, the music side of it, there's, like, the touring, there's the art. Like, to me, like, growing up when I would play video games and there's all these, like, Easter eggs that are just left in different parts of levels or different things like that. Like, that's where nerdy, like, Spencer, like, really gets obsessed. So, it's the same thing with bands where it's, like, you know, when they're dropping, like, you know, even just, like... It, it's so simple, but for bands just to even drop like a certain emoji that's like tied around this release, it's like, you know, it gets your brain going because you, yeah. you naturally as a dumb. human try to fill in the blanks there. Yeah. So speaking of lore and things related to bands, I know like another thing that you've talked about on other interviews um, and is definitely a part of like burials as a whole is like how the attention to detail and like how much you guys like sink in um for merch and like you know being not just like phoning that in if that makes sense um no yeah so like were were there specific bands in the early days that like helped inspired you to do that or was it out of like man i don't want to do a fucking you know band logo here and live shot in the back like what kind of prompted that i mean I got to give most of the credit for that to our bass player, Mike. Um, He's the primary uh, curator slash like designer of our merch. Um, He does do a good chunk of it himself. And um, he he outsources another good chunk of it from other people. But um, I, I feel like he's always just like had a good eye of like making stuff that is fresh and cool and not like other band merch but also at the same time um i feel like a lot of the like the thought behind like putting emphasis on merch and not just having it be like a passive thing honestly kind of came from bands like hundredth and like counterparts like Mm -hmm. in the early days because like there's a couple more bands that i'm that i'm forgetting but like um we we would we, we were aware that that those bands merch was something that was more special and more curated um, 
not only because we liked it, but like we could see at the shows that those bands were selling much more than the right. other band on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like before we were even touring or doing anything really serious yet. So I feel like because we saw things like that happen, we were just kind of well aware going into it, like, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, and honestly, like the, the merch, like we don't really like aim to hit like any certain style or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's literally just stuff that we pick. Cause we're, we're like, we would wear that. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I could say that the only reason that there's merch that we have that I wouldn't wear is because I hate wearing any shirt or pants or anything that is the color red. It just looks like fucking shit on me. Um, but like I would wear literally anything that we have ever made if some of the things just weren't printed on red. Right. And yeah. And um, like the, the, the color theme of this next record seems to be red. So you're like, you Oh won't, yeah. I'm you burnt. won't catch me wearing any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um you you know i totally agree like counterparts and hundredth like definitely were the bands early on that like were really like okay this isn't just something that's a box to check like we can really be creative and also like be consistent was the other thing that was really um bring me the horizons another crazy example that i I didn't think of because like uh I remember like a couple years ago, like when you were saying earlier, when they were like really being like pushed as like the biggest fucking band in the world. Yeah. There was literally a Bring Me the Horizon like death metal logo shirt, like in H&M. Right. Yeah. And I remember we saw that and we were like, okay, like people are making merch that just looks like H&M stuff now. Like people want stuff that looks like shit you're getting like from the mall. That's like not just a typical band shirt. Um, and like their merch over like the course of their entire career has been insane. Like, (laughs) yeah. And then they rebranded all of their merch into an actual fucking like clothing company, like that horizon supply co thing. It's just like, yeah, that, that's kind of like the same thing that we aim to hit where it's just like, it feels like someone could walk into a store, see a varial shirt and buy it just because it looks cool not even realizing it's a band. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, watch a movie like resident evil and not even know there's a music video within the the dvd exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then ironically the fucking uh like uk like h&m ripoff company or whatever the hell it's called i forget what the name of the company is but it's like essentially h&m but it's only in the uk hmm. they literally uh ripped off a bunch of our designs printed them and sold them in their stores and we had to cease and desist them to get uh, really oh yeah. my okay whoa, whoa, whoa so how are you finding out about that like what paint the picture someone literally just like tweeted it at us and they were like yo varials like why are you guys selling merch on like this and i had never heard of the company before right and then i looked it up and i was like oh okay so this is like a chain store of like you know h&m style clothes that's all over the uk and they had shirts that said like varials in darkness, like all this shit that was like in all of their stores that they were actively selling. Oh my, I'm trying to Google if like, is there like a, like, was there an article or anything around this? I don't think so. Cause it wasn't like anything that really got like blown up into like a news story or anything. It was yeah. literally just like someone sent it to us. We sent it to our fearless and our manager. And then they were just like, okay, we're going to handle it. And then, yeah, yeah. uh, for a second, 
we thought that we were actually going to get the shirts. Like, <laughs> yo, give us they, our stock. We, you know, we're, yeah, like <laughs> we were stoked for a second because we were like, holy shit, like we're about to get a bunch of merch that we didn't pay for that we can sell. Right. But then I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was like something along the lines of like, ah, shipping it like from the UK, like sure. wouldn't even be worth it. Yeah. So I think that it, Honestly, it was probably all like fucking put in those like, uh, you know, like it was probably like sold in like fucking TJ Maxx or some <laughs> shit. Like that. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's one thing if if there's yeah, if there's companies that are like ripping designs that can get snuffed out eventually. But like if it has your guys's band name on it, it's like, are you guys trying to like, you know, be shitty immediately? Like and, and just, yeah. you know, get the rug pulled from under you. Yeah, it's it's such a. Insane, that's such man. a weird practice um but it was also almost like it was almost like a uh a validation check though because we were like okay we're doing it, we're doing a good enough yeah. job that uk that h&m is trying to like hook our shit yeah like, bite our shit. um yeah that's so funny um i think like rips like that um like when it comes to band stuff like you see even bigger bands like a day to remember or parkway drive where they'll go tour places like where they like places in like South America or like, you know, really crazy, like Eastern con- countries where they're like selling rips outside of the show. But it's like, that's how they're like putting food on the table for their families versus like yeah, these giant corporations that are like, you don't need this extra penny of on your thing. I, somewhere in my basement, I have a box that's like full of like those parking lot concert shirts because right. i used i used to go to like a bunch of shows in philly at like the stadiums with my dad when i was younger mm-hmm. and when we would be leaving there would always be someone in the parking lot selling like that insane horrible print like for metallica or ozzy osbourne yeah. or whatever and i would just whip out a five every time and just be like <laughs> and every time they would sell me one for five bucks like dude it's let's go. so fun I have like I have some hilarious ones. I should I should whip those out actually and wear them on tour. I bet you they'd probably be like <laughs> in style now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, also, the more I look at you, the more I realize you look a lot like Eric Easterday, our old photographer. Really? You know who he is? I love Eric. He's been on the show before. I'm a big fan oh, of his. Oh, really? Yeah. He, oh shit! I gotta look, I gotta listen to his episode. I didn't realize he, you had him on your show. That's yeah, awesome. he was like very early. I think season one for sure honestly i think it's like the mustache and the glasses but like i keep looking at you i'm just like jesus it looks like i'm talking okay yeah so he was episode 64 um i'll I'll send it to you after after we're done here but i take that as a high compliment because i love eric oh yeah he's one of my people of all time the 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 glasses are pretty are fairly new in my you know style repertoire the mustache is very new i just committed to i like it I, like I appreciate that. I, if if anyone thinks I look like Eric Easterday, I consider that a high compliment because I love that man. So shout out Peanut, I love you, and I yeah, miss yeah. you. Um, speaking of Eric, um, I know like that was like you guys have worked with him a ton. So like, was yeah. he the like? I don't know if he's he's necessarily like the person that's handling a lot of the newer stuff right now, um, but was he kind of the person to help? make it make sense for you guys to invest in the visuals as much as uh you did on pain again and, and in darkness i mean so pain again was almost entirely uh max moore oh um, okay 
yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Max also has come on the show. We've talked about those music videos as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I get he, those two, uh, uh, those two heads mixed up because <laughs> they're sure both not. very talented individuals. I feel you. No, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, he like Max did the like most of the music videos for that, and then we, oh shit. I think Eric did the Colder Brother live video, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the first video that he did for us. Um, and that was like when he was in uh, like the height of uh, his touring era with us. Because he came on every tour that we did from 2017 until the end of 2019, I believe. Yeah. Like he was, he was like with us for – almost two years straight like he um he was essential to our to our crew at that time and he had a lot of influence in a good way um and um we knew that we wanted to do crazy shit for in darkness because we had a larger video budget for it Mm -hmm. so it became one of those things where it was like all right if we kind of give eric the reins here and let him like do all this crazy shit that he's never done before, but he can probably pull off. We could do a bunch of ridiculous stuff because he was, you know, willing to take a little bit less like pay than like Max Moore or or people of that caliber would um, just to, you know, do it alongside us and like make it, you know, this collective kind of like vision that we all wanted. Right. Um, And, uh, it definitely would have been way different if we didn't have him. We would not have been able to do we, – we probably – with the amount of money that we had, we would have only been able to do probably like one and a half of those videos. Sure. Um, and you did four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we, yeah, and we did four. And he he um, he, he just crushed it. And, and I, I feel like that was almost like uh, like almost like a proving ground for him because like I, I, I think that was one of the first times he had been given like – a real like full like label budget to like do something right and um i think it i think it shows that um he really like gave that everything that he had um and and he was sending us like updates like the whole ride along it and it was uh it was awesome i think like doing that stuff was probably the most fun that i ever had organizing and planning um like videos and visual shoots right yeah yeah Yeah, i think i i totally agree um that those videos those series of videos that eric did for for y'all definitely i think were the reference point that a lot of people either reached out to him whether it was like a band like boundaries or um he's done work for so many people but yeah he's such a talented individual so eric if you're listening i love you you're the best um Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's really cool for any creative person to have an opportunity with a band that they like are friends with, that there yep. can be like a, a bit of a co uh, upward trajectory as far as like, hey, let me scratch your back. And then like you're you're giving me the song to make these videos, too. And, you know, and, and vice versa. So, yeah, um, Eric also made the um, he made the album art. And like all the stuff for our new our, our new album, like the booklet and everything is designed um, by him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who he, I, I believe that he collaborated with somebody on the actual front cover of the album. Um, and uh, he also did the video 
for the first song with me on vocals, the cycle of violence video that right. that was him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So still, maybe- he's still there, but not, yes. he's not doing the whole scope this time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you got to, every release you got to change it up a little bit and you know try try out different things uh and honestly we probably would have had him do more but he's become like gojira's like almost like full-time touring photographer oh really yeah yeah okay bro yeah let's go (laughs) um he's so he he's been he he's just been doing that and like we're just fucking so happy for him because it's like you know it's fucking gojira (laughs) totally yeah yeah and and yeah it's like they're the yeah people should have know when there's those moments to like work together but like at the same time like no one no one is owed anything nor should someone stay in one place you should always chase different opportunities so yeah good for him good for him (laughs) um but going back to like the the new music because you were alluding to some of some of that stuff like what you know at this point in the time of uh recording this episode um uh you you guys have dropped three songs yep um so you were mentioning that the there's the underrated song that you said off of in darkness that's like a lot closer so like you know as you guys as a as a band are evolving not only just on the visual side but also obviously the sonic side which i believe all bands should evolve like where where have you as now sitting in the seat of like the the lyricists and the vocalists like where have you wanted to push and go with uh with this project now i mean pretty much like like everything that we've done in the past that has been my favorite stuff that the band has done specifically citing like death song um i suffocate I think falls into this category that I'm going to elaborate on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably uh, like EDA also can fall into this category um, where I feel like there's moments that we've hit that have just been like more immersive and more visceral than other stuff that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like the, the point that we've been missing a little bit where I feel like we have on those two albums we have these moments of like greatness where it's like, holy fuck, this is insane. And it sounds fucking crazy. But then right after it's like, do you know what I mean? And like, there's like a filler song that you don't really get much out of or um, something that just kind of like throws off the vibe. Um, So I, I really just wanted to focus on making this whole thing, just like a front to back, like listen to the whole thing. Uh, and it never stops being crazier and crazier the whole time. Sure. Um, instead of kind of being like these peaks and valleys kind of thing, I I really like I tried to design this album and the music videos and everything so that it just feels like it keeps getting crazier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like once the album is out and people can give it a full listen, I, I feel like they'll understand more of why we did a song that's like almost all singing. Um, and I, I think they'll just realize that there is also something for every Varials fan on the album. Like I, I we're, we're not really like, I, I don't think that we're pushing this into a direction that's like completely different. I think that we're just like pushing it into a direction that 
there's something that everybody can enjoy while we also enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're instead of like, okay, we're going over here now, you're just expanding what's already been established, which is pushing into new boundaries, but it's still playing on the things that have already been established and, and you know, that work. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't think that, um, that we're necessarily like doing anything vastly different or crazy on this album. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's like, like I said, kind of like taking those moments from before where I feel like we really hit the mark and just trying to expand on those specific moments instead of trying to make another album that just kind of feels like a bunch of mashed up songs to me. Right. Um, So another thing I wanted to bring up is as far as the time of recording this, this episode ideally will be dropping while you guys are out actually out on the road. Um, you guys are doing um, the Scars for You to Remember tour with a lot of friends of this podcast uh, to Boundaries, Orthodox, Distinguisher, and uh, Doctor, Dr. Acula. Dr. Acula is the only band that has not been on the show here before. Um, That's but crazy. when I saw that lineup, I was like, damn, this is just like metalcore like madness to me so like talk to me uh, initially about the idea of the curation of that to celebrate this upcoming album i mean we we've literally tried to organize this headliner like four separate times because like the the talk about it started like before touring even came back from covid Mm -hmm. we were originally going to do it like earlier this year but then as we kept getting closer and closer to stuff we realized like we weren't going to be done the album blah 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 Mm -hmm. so then by the time we got to the fourth iteration and we knew at that point we're like okay album is submitted like this is all going to happen this time right um we had already gone through like three lineup ideas and the third one was not a good idea and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why yeah, was it like, not a good idea in, in hindsight it was just like the wrong uh mix for what we wanted to do sure. all the bands were fucking sick but it was way too much of exactly what i was saying before where it's like peaks and valleys because sure. like we had we had uh ideas that were like bands that were not heavy at all and like trying to do like kind of like a mixed bill kind of night right and then um once we got to the iteration that ended up happening, we pretty much were just like, no, fuck it. Breakdowns all night. Like <laughs> only, only bands that we know that uh, like that we've toured with before or that we're really good friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we literally like, we got pretty much everything we asked for in the end, which was dope. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like we had, we had asked for some of those bands on the previous iterations and they were like either busy at those times or like, you know, in the middle of trying to figure something else out. So yeah. like, or had their own albums up. that they're yeah. you know working on. Yeah. Yeah. And then that ended up like, we didn't even know that like every single band pretty much had put out something like very recently or was about to like, you know, drop album. So like, it right. just kind of became a perfect storm. And, um, I feel like it's another one of those, uh, situations kind of like, what I was talking about with the record where I feel like the night is just going to get like crazier and crazier as it goes. Mm-hmm. And each one of those bands is like super solid and, and can hold their own. So I don't think it's going to be like very up and down all night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's really cool. Cause like definitely mixed bill tours or shows of any kind, like that can definitely work and there's a time and place for that. 
but yep. I respect just like, yo, let's just bring on like as many friends as we can to like just maximize how much fun that we can have in between the actual shows themselves and yep. just, yeah, give people like a proper debut um, of like 2022 breakdown music. Yep. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm also, I feel like every one of the bands on the tour, like the music that they have released recently or they're going to release is like their best stuff that they've done yet too. Like it's, I, I feel like it's really, it's just awesome that all of our friends and us, I feel like we're all kind of like leveling up at the same time and we're able to do this tour together and it's just going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah. I, I, I love being able to play shows with people like, and you're like, remember we were playing to like 20 people each and now we're playing to like 200 plus for both of yeah. us. So yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. Absolutely. Cause like boundaries played the in darkness release show in Philly, mm. like before their like proper come up, like they had hype on the East coast, like a lot um, at that time. So the show was fucking insane for them. But like, you know, I don't think it was until the album that, that they put out at the end of 2020. I think exactly. It was. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, it, like people know this band now. Yeah. And like over the past, like, you know, three years since in darkness, like they've become like, you know, I think one of the like biggest contenders for like next up in that's in that genre slot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're popping off hard. Um, so I, I only asked this question because I, when I was on your Instagram, I was like, how, why is there like 10 to 15 TVs in, in Mitchell's van right now? But uh, you were mentioning how like the production of this tour is something that y'all are focusing on as well. Yeah, I, um, I really like, I've learned a lot over the past couple of years uh, working for other bands of like how stage production works and, and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was able to build up enough knowledge where I was like, all right, instead of renting this stuff and having someone like build a show for us, cause that usually costs like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And like, I could understand why the price of entry on that, like a band our size probably wouldn't be able to, to do so I just tried to like learn as much as I could over the past couple of years. And we just bought all the stuff ourselves and we built the show like by hand. Okay. And um, we have synced up light show and uh, we have two uh, video walls that we're bringing on the whole tour with us. And the whole thing is like all made like by the band. Like it's all custom built hmm. for the set and everything. That's very um, cool. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it, it kind of fucking hurts my head to look at it. <laughs> so I, I really hope we didn't like make it too intense, honestly. <laughs> it's just like, I've just been watching it. I haven't even like watched it with us playing at like obscene volume decibel levels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put, um, I put a warning like before it, like on the TVs and like over the PA mm -hmm. pretty much saying like, this is definitely seizure warning material. Like, yeah. you know, be careful and shit. Cause like, yeah, I, I um, the first night's definitely going to be a, a, a gauge it scenario of like, all right, do we need to Th dial that's that That's practice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the um, trial run. But I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Like I, I feel like, like I was saying, I feel like a lot of bands of our size, like, just aren't able to bring that level of production into these size venues. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's, 
I, th- I think it's something that can really make a difference of like, is someone going to come see you again or not? Cause like, I remember seeing like going back to like the bring me the horizon example. Like I remember seeing them in smaller venues and they had those fucking like big letter cutouts of like BMTH and like no band that played rooms like that brought anything like that. And it right. looked fucking crazy. Same thing with like a data. Remember, like they were playing like thousand cap venues in Philly, but still doing like, you know, cryo and like entrances from like underneath the stage and like all this crazy shit. And it's like, they had yeah, the one tour where they had like a fucking garage that they built. Yeah. The like, whole house on stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like that. I feel like that was the point where like what they were doing made sense for the size venues they were in, but like watching them in those smaller venues do these crazy over the top things. Mm-hmm. Like as I got older, I realized like, they were definitely probably eating like through a lot of money when they didn't really have it doing stuff like that. Totally. But it's literally like an investment in people coming back and like talking about your show. Cause like, I mean, pretty much like 80% of the shows I go to have no production at all. And it's like, you're just watching a band play with like the house lights on or maybe like dimmed a little bit. And it's like, unless you really just, enjoy that band's music and you're there just to experience the music live you're not really going to get a lot out of that you know what i mean yeah production in our space is an interesting thing because i believe there's definitely a need for it as a band is scaling to a certain level like knocked loose would be a boring band to see live if they didn't have um the level if they're playing like a multi like hundred to thousand person cap room. If they're playing yeah. a super DIY show, it's still sick because they own it in like, you should be able to strip away everything and still play your set and like rock people's yeah. faces. Exactly. Um, I think a lot of people start bands and they try to skip scaling up their band and they want to do scrims. They want to do like all that kind of stuff. And yeah. you know, you or I could sit here and say one is right or one is wrong, but I think it should be a little just bit of a self-awareness check. Like, Oh no, absolutely. Cause like, there's also like a time and place for it. Like you shouldn't be the opening band on a tour, bringing an entire light rig. Yes. Like <laughs> I've seen people do it and everybody on the tour is just like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, straight up. Like, Unless it's some absolutely insane self-contained thing that's like on top of your cabs and it adds absolutely no time to your changeover, you're going to get clowned on for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't feel like we were really ever in the position until now where we could pull something like this off. Yeah. So uh, it's – yeah, like to to your point, like every band needs to do – shows like completely without that shit especially for your own sake so you can get used to being in front of crowds in those more awkward positions you know what i mean and like you i feel like it's very obvious when you go see a band that like leveled up to that stuff too quick because there's always less emphasis put on the performance because they spent so much time doing the extra shit first like you were saying so and and maybe the exception is if that is a well-established thing of your band out the gate then yeah lean into that like i'm thinking i I did i i was filming um this festival in toronto that's definitely a little bit more like scram screamo like you know kind of that breath of like diy music 
And yeah. there's this band. I know their name is Shy Low. It's like Shy, comma, Low. I forget where they're from. Um, they started their set and they're like, yeah, we're a little bit different. And they were like a six piece band with no vocalists. So just instrumentals, but they had a, like they turned off all the lights and they had a crazy synced up light, light show. And they, they killed it. And it was like, I think the, the thought process for them was maybe let's have this like light show. So it's not just like all of us instrumentally kind of like doing that or whatever. And like, also that was kind of what I I meant earlier too. When I'm like, you know, if you can self-contain this thing, like inside your rig and make it happen, like Mm -hmm. there's definitely like that level of person out there that is just like that good at everything out the gate and can figure it out and get it working in that fashion. And like that, there, there definitely is like, you know, something to be said there. If you just come out the gate fucking crushing it. But I feel like the generic example of it is just like, you know, the opener metalcore band rocking up with like the scrims and like the strobe light that his dad made. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> with all the Home Depot like uh, yeah. little lights and it's like the light box switch. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Oh, you know, like, dude, I did it at one point in time. <laughs> I never brought it on a tour or like went to play a bigger show, but like, you know, our, one of like me and Mike's like old ass local band, like we we did a DIY light show when we like headlined a local show one time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a self awareness thing. There's it's a, a self awareness thing, and I yeah. think now there's things like podcasts and people talking about like, please don't do this anymore. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> we have an outlet to uh, to talk about the uh, the do's and don'ts of being a baby band now. <laughs> um, what's a you know obviously like you're hitting a production milestone with this tour. What's like a crazy over the top production thing that you would love to have Varials do one day? Uh, the thing that I've always wanted to do is uh, banner drop. Oh, okay. Interesting. Right before you play, you put the fucking black curtain up so you like can't see the band setting up. Mm-hmm. I always feel like that is just so – it's like the most effective thing that you can do because it's like that you don't see anything before it happens. You leave the stage blank. You move everything in behind that curtain and then like – you roll the intro and then as soon as the first song starts that shit drops and it's like oh here it is you know yeah, what i mean right um yeah. I, that is that is definitely far from our realm of possibility right <laughs> now but right. um dude I, I i was even thinking about it i was like if i was like doing some headline tour in like a thousand cap room i would just let them do it for every band like right it would, it, would just, make it goes up it goes so down it goes thicker. up like, yeah <laughs> yeah your stage manager for that tour is gonna hate you yeah, but i like you'll just like yo i said this on this podcast in 2022 it has yeah, to yeah, happen do it <laughs> yeah. and like and, and that's another thing i feel like a lot of people who headline uh tours and shit don't think about is like um like letting other people on your tour use like facets of your production Hmm. it just makes the whole thing sicker you know what i mean like i feel like a lot of bands like get all this stuff and they like hoard it all to themselves and it's just like turn the led wall on and put the other band's logo on it right you know what i mean like it's you're gonna make the whole thing way more immersive and way cooler through the whole show if you'll involve people like that totally yeah i can't say that we can do that on the tour that we're doing right now because we literally <laughs> can't keep the stuff on the stage during the show because the stages are so small right but that's another thing i would love to be able to do in the future is just like extend those things to the bands that don't have them yet you know what i mean well then it's also a learning opportunity for those bands to be like oh exactly. this is how this actually works yeah 
Yeah. Because like I always thought it was so funny, like also going to see bands and like watching these openers play with absolutely no production. And then the headliner comes on and it's like fucking insane. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. I always think the contrast of it is really kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's like, there's no like prelude into that, but uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I that. think people will understand more if, if anybody listens to this and then comes and sees the, you know, set that I'm talking about in this headliner, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about more because we're doing something pretty hilarious before we play with all the production oh can you drop that on the pod because this will come out when you're on tour so oh yeah true okay so yeah i'll 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 talk about it then so (laughs) we're gonna let our uh our so our friend eddie has been coming on tour with us um like since covid ended um he plays for this band called dead culture from ohio um and he's gonna be driving for us on this tour um, but he also is going to be doing some content and sh- shit for us. He's like a really talented upcoming photographer. Cool. Um, but he is just like the like biggest personality within our group. So we uh, made a DJ set for him for before we play. And okay. So like boundaries is going to end, and then while we're like doing boundaries like changeover and like plugging in all of our shit. We're going to bring uh, like a merch table and like a laptop on stage real quick. And Eddie's literally going to like DJ the room for like 15 minutes. And we we made like this whole uh, fucking it's like a preset thing that's just going to play every night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like a mix of like old ass like scene songs, like current like like rap songs, like all sorts <laughs> of it's like shit. It's just like a fucking mishmash of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh it also acts as the way for us to test the production to make sure that it's working. Mm, okay. So it like, cause every time I go to a show, it's like the changeover is boring as fuck. So I was like, all right, we can just have Eddie like pretty much have like a 15 minute emo night. while we <laughs> Man, that's so funny. I, I'm not going to talk shit on any emo emo nights, but I feel like I'm at the point in my life where if there was a 15 minute emo night, that's my vibe versus like an exactly. entire evening dedicated to that. Cause I saw, um, I saw God, who the fuck did it? I can't remember who it was. Cause I'm blanking so hard right now, but I went to a show in March and it was that under oath tour with spirit box and bad oh. omen straight mm-hmm. from the path. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was spirit box. They played a song before their set. I think it was a Limp Bizkit song. And they used that song to test their production. Oh, okay. So had all the house lights still on. The song got like a little louder through the PA. Right. And then their light show started going. And I was like, oh, this is fucking sick. I was like, I feel like I'm at a club right now. Yeah, right. So then that kind of gave me the idea of like, I'm going to do that same thing, but like put an actual DJ on stage and make it like a dumb, like just funny little thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think there's a, there's definitely a practical aspect to that. Cause like you definitely see now where bands will have like their song that plays almost entirety before, like here's now the creepy intro before we like walk on stage or anything. Like yes. That. Um, but I like the idea of just being like, yo, this is our this is our homie. He's gonna you know play some nostalgic s- shit for the yeah. next fifteen minutes. And like, 
I don't know if they're going to let us do it, but I was going to ask our tour manager if he could advance the venues and see if we can give away alcohol while we do it. (laughs) Because, like, if the venue has the, like, wristbands and shit on, if we, like, buy bottles of alcohol from the bar, like, they might let let us give out shots or something. So, like... We're trying. We- There's a couple other things like that that we're trying to mix into it that could just like make it like this whole ass thing before we play. <laughs> totally. So if they're, these are all great reasons to go check out uh, Varials on tour. Uh, coming yeah, to this, you could get a free shot. You could play. get a free shot yeah. and I'm listen to like we're my chemical romance. Gun, but we might be getting a t-shirt gun. I was. That was a question I had. It's like, is the DJ going to pull out a t-shirt gun and fire it mid mid song? But uh. So I bought one, but then I deemed it possibly dangerous. Oh, it's like too powerful. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like I think it's if I like stood, the DJ like, shooting someone point blank with a size medium. Like, I like shot it and I was like, this thing's meant to shoot a shirt from like an ice rink into the stands. Like sure. it's like fucking <laughs> insane. Yeah. It's like in this little club and someone's like, I'm going to the hospital because I took this medium size shirt to the chest. Yeah. And like, no, we'll just keep the crazy gun, shoot somebody in the crowd with it at point blank. And then they open the shirt up and it says like, I went to a burial show and all I got was a broken face by this t-shirt. <laughs> That's perfect. And then uh, it'll go crazy again. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, this has been such a great uh, interview and chat. I have one more question before we start to wrap up the show. For sure. I end every episode with my guest telling a favorite mosh related story and that's Uh anything that's first to your head so that could be something that's gruesome violent wholesome funny could have happened to you you did it um it happened at a varial show could have just happened at a show you were attending whatever's the first two dome is how we start to end the show this is one of my favorite memories from like all of touring so it's funny because the first show that we're playing on our headliner is at the venue that this happened at. Okay. Um, it was the House of Independence in Asbury Park. Um, it was on the second Wage War album release tour that we did with like Loathe and Gideon. It was the tour where I, w- I was saying I was playing bass for Gideon. Right. And okay. that tour, just like with all those bands, had such a good vibe. And like pretty much every night, a like a load of people from the tour would just watch wage war and we would all like stage dive and just like have fun and that night in asbury park it just what it got so far out of hand because we had a bunch of our friends from philly and shit there Mm. and like wage wars set pretty much turned into like a varials or like knocked loose like legion crowd (laughs) and it was so fucking insane that like wage war fans were literally like all over Facebook and Twitter the next day, like complaining about how violent the show was. <laughs> and there's gotta be a video of the set. Um, and I just, I have this like vivid memory in my head of our friend, John, who is like a crazy, like no holds barred, like crowd killer mosher. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like during stitch, he like literally like stage dove, but like right on the front of the crowd and then somehow maneuvered his legs onto the stage so he could just roll himself 
like across the whole front of the crowd, just beating the <laughs> shit out of everybody. Oh and like, I knew in the moment I was like, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, and this is it, sick, that, but I yeah. know how people are going to take this online. I knew the next day it was going to be bad. And literally half the comments were like, yeah, it was like varials and all of their friends just beating the shit out of everybody. And we were like, okay. And I think that was the last time that we really did like the the tour package, like mosh. You know what I mean? Right. right. That was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that's a great story. And if anyone has videos of that, please send them uh, my way. Um, Mitchell, all of uh, the band links, your links, and the tour information will be in the description of this podcast and in the show notes. But if there's anything you want to shout out, anything you want to plug, or anything you want to leave the people with, the floor is yours. Um, I think I I want to say a I want to say like thank you to anybody that's listening that's like supported the band with the change in lineup and um just like embracing what we're doing now. I feel like a lot of times this doesn't go very well for a lot of bands and it feels like it's going pretty well for us. So if you've been here through it and you're still liking it, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, new record comes out on October 14th. We're uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up next year and we're really, really excited to kick this album cycle off. So, yeah. I love all of that. Um, definitely, I am excited to hear the record once it's out and uh, hoping for all the best on the tour and uh, hope we get to cross paths one day, Mitchell. I uh, I would look much, much look forward to that. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, if, if you're ever like somewhere that we're playing, whether it's near you or you're like traveling or something, just hit me up. Yeah. Let me know, man. We definitely will. <laughs>